Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you check them out and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got great guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. We'll visit Dr. Markovich as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is January the 6th, and on this day in 1838, Samuel Morse's telegraph system was demonstrated for the first time at the Speedwell Ironworks in Morristown, New Jersey. The telegraph, a device, was used electric impulses to transmit coded, encoded messages over a wire would eventually revolutionize long-distance communication, reaching the height of its popularity in the 20s and 30s. Now, mind you, that's less than 100 years ago. Samuel Morse was... Born April the 27th, 1791 in Charlestown, Massachusetts, he attended Yale University where he was interested in art as well as electricity, still in its infancy at the time. After college, Morse became a painter. In 1832, while sailing home from Europe, he heard about the newly discovered electromagnet and came up with an idea of an electric telegraph. He had no idea that other inventors were already at work on the concept Morse spent the next several years developing a prototype and took on two partners, Leonard Gale and Alfred Vail, to help him. In 1838, he demonstrated his invention using Morse code, in which dots and dashes represented letters and numbers. In 1843, Morse convinced a skeptical Congress to fund the construction of the first telegraph line in the United States from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. In May 1844, he sent a first official telegram over the line which the message had read read, What Hath God Wrought? <laughs> Good question. Over the next few years, private companies using Morse's patent set up telegraph lines uh, around the Northeast. In 1851, the New York and Mississippi Valley Printing uh, Telegraph Company was founded. It would later change its name to Western Union. In 1861, Western Union finished the first transcontinental line across the United States. Five years later, the first successful permanent line across the Atlantic Ocean was constructed, and by the end of the century, telegraph systems were in place in Africa, Asia, and Australia. Because telegraph companies typically charge by the word, telegrams became known for their succinct prose, whether they contained happy or sad news. The word stop, which was free, was used instead of a period for which it was, there was a charge. 1933, Western Union introduced singing telegrams. During World War II, Americans came to dread the sight of a Western Union courier because the military used telegrams to inform families about soldiers' deaths. Over the course of the 20th century, telegraph messages were largely replaced by cheap long-distance phone service, faxes, and emails. Western Union delivered its uh, final telegram in January 2006. Sammy Morse died wealthy and famous in New York City on April the 2nd, 1872, at the age of 80. Morse code demonstrated for the first time only 184 years ago. Think how rapidly technology has developed since that time. Unbelievable. 
So if you turn on the news today, you're going to be hit with a wave of uh, news of uh, Democrats and liberal media talking about uh, January 6th of last year. They'll all act serious and sad, but it's just an act. This is like Christmas for them. The reason they're so obsessed with it is because they got nothing else to talk about. What are they going to run on in the midterm? Joe Biden's booming economy, secure southern border, his masterful withdrawal from Afghanistan. Really, they've got nothing to talk about, nothing to promote. Only Their only hope is to convince people that Republicans are all terrorists or terrorist sympathizers. They even trotted out Attorney General Merrick Garland yesterday to talk about uh, persecution or prosecution. Did you see it? Kind of interesting. After year after the January 6th Capitol riot, the Justice Department has charged more than 700 folks in connection with incidents while refusing to answer questions regarding federal agents whether they were involved in instigating it or not. At least 600 of those charges were misdemeanors for entering or remaining within restricted capital grounds. Can you imagine that? Misdemeanor charges could have fines of up to $100,000. Unbelievable. And then you think about the Black Lives Matter riots and the destruction of property. Other minor charges included illegal picketing and disorderly or disruptive conduct on capital grounds. One of the more common felony offenses charged was corrupt, uh, corruptly obstructing, influencing, or impeding, or attempting to the official proceedings of a certifying the Electoral College. About 275 folks have been charged with that. And a minimum of 225 defendants have been received charges of assaulting, impeding, or resisting arrest. About 45 defendants were charged with destruction of government property, and more than 40 defendants were charged as being part of a broader conspiracy, including Nearly 20 Oath Keepers and about a dozen Proud Boys, members or affiliates, and four alleged 3% are military or militia members. At least 30 defendants have been charged with theft of government property, including Riley June Williams, who allegedly stole a laptop from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office. Williams has pled not guilty and requested multiple times to have some charges thrown out. Approximately 10 defendants have been charged with assaulting a media member or destroying their equipment. However, no one, not one person, has been charged with sedition, which is attempting to overthrow the government. Not one. In March, February, Director Christopher Wray called the Capitol riot domestic terrorism, for which we'll get into this in just a second. Perhaps he orchestrated. That's right. Perhaps he orchestrated the terrorism, if it is such a thing. More than 160 defendants have pled guilty, of whom 85 percent admitted to nonviolent misdemeanor crimes. At least 70 defendants who pled guilty have been sentenced, the longest so far is 63 months, for 54-year-old Robert Palmer, who admitted to attacking police officers with fire extinguishers. Capital suffered more than a million dollars in damages and about 140 law enforcement uh, people, 80 Capitol Police and 60 uh, Metropolitan Police officers were allegedly assaulted. Four people died, or including Ashley Babbitt, who was shot to death without announcement or without any kind of warning by a Capitol Police officer inside the Capitol building and three others who had separate medical emergencies. Even as an investigation has stretched on for the past year, the Department of Justice has yet to answer whether or not federal agents were involved in this caper. During a House Judicial Committee hearing in October, Representative Tom Massey from Kentucky showed a video compilation of Ray Epps an apparent Trump supporter who tells people on both January 6th and 5th to go to the Capitol 
when he suggested that night on January 5th, people start chanting, Fed, 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 as they suspected he was a federal agent. Epps has not faced charges for any role that he might have played in inciting the breach. After playing the video, Massey asked Attorney General Merrick Garland during the committee hearing if there were any federal agents or assets of the federal government at the January 6th Capitol riot. Garland said he couldn't comment on that as an ongoing investigation. Attorney General Merrick Garland can absolutely answer questions about whether feds encouraged the January 6th crowd to breach the Capitol, Massey tweeted. On Thursday, Massey tweeted the video compilation of Epps that he'd shown during the committee hearing, in addition to articles from Revolver. By the way, if you haven't checked out Revolver.news, I believe it is, about, uh, it's really worth checking out. Anyhow, uh, Revolver's come up with a couple of great columns about Epps, asking how many January 6th protesters were actually working for the federal government. In a brief phone call uh, interview with the Arizona Republic last year, shortly after the Capitol breach, Epps reportedly confirmed he'd been at the Capitol for the event, but said he'd been advised by his attorney not to speak about his role. So he was on the list of most wanted, and then all of a sudden his face disappeared off of that FBI list. A lot of uh, unindicted co-conspirators, so to speak, at the Capitol breach. How many people, have, if you just think about what happened in Wisconsin with the abduction of the governor, or the so-called attempt to abduct the governor, kidnap the governor, found out that nine of the 16 assailants were actually government informants or participants? Maybe that was just a practice session for what happened on January the 6th last year, or this year. In any event, uh, there's a lot of information we don't have yet, and this January 6th committee is not going to go to the truth. It's going to try to destroy the Republicans and Donald Trump. Well, on the eve of one-year anniversary of the Capitol riot and with Biden administration poised to focus on the calendar milestone while COVID-19 cases soar, former President Donald Trump called on the MAGA nation to rise up against egregious federal government overreach. Biden administration's response to COVID is getting worse every day, Trump wrote in a pointed statement. Joe Biden said there's no federal solution to the pandemic, but he then federalized the distribution of antibodies. Red states are getting the short end of the stick, said Trump. In my administration, we respected the role of governors to take care of their own states. They could request antibodies and therapeutics depending on what they needed. That's the way our country is supposed to run, said President Trump. Trump was referring to Florida Governor GOP Ron DeSantis uh, assailing Biden's health and human services over controlling the availability of monoclonal antibody treatments for COVID-19 infected patients. On a parallel COVID track, Trump rebuked Biden, who he said reneged on a campaign promise to not shut down the economy or schools in efforts to shut down COVID. The wildly transmissible Omicron variant has not only hindered control of the pandemic, Virus cases are now actually soaring despite mandates and other administrative efforts. Now they're talking about uh, the Biden administration again about closing schools and even vaccine mandates for school children, Trump said in a statement. This is an outrage and MAGA nation should rise up and oppose this egregious federal government overreach. The Democrats are so incredibly mandate happy. There's a discussion about a vaccine mandate for school kids this year in Detroit and other Democrat-run places. Trump noted mandates are not part of his administration on COVID-19 response, something then-candidate Biden agreed with. But now he's broken that promise. 
Our administration did what they could not to, uh, could not be done, vaccine in record time, his statement concluded, but we never issued mandates, and I never would. People should be able to choose how they want to govern their own health. The federal government must be reined in and give the people back the freedom to decide what they want, whether they want to be vaccinated. So true, President Trump. Uh, Joe Biden said he would never issue mandates, but he did it anyway, like so many other things, said Trump. Florida uh, Governor Ron DeSantis earlier this week said COVID-19 vaccines are not preventing Omicron infections and pushed up for more monoclonal antibody treatments. With Omicron, the vaccines are not stopping the spread. That's clear, he said. If you look at it, who's being infected, vaccinated, boosted, they're all being infected, said uh, the governor. It didn't stop it, he continued. It doesn't provide sterilized immunity, and I think you just have to be honest with people about that. So thank you, Governor. When told it sounded like he was giving up the faith on uh, vaccines, he said, oh, no, no, no. Omicron variant fueling a record-breaking surge of cases across the country and hitting vaccinated and unvaccinated people alike. Florida's in the top three states for per capita virus spread, according to the Center for Disease Control. DeSantis uh, criticized President Joe Biden, White House Chief Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci, and CDC Director Rochelle Walensky for previous statements about vaccines protecting people from infection and spreading the virus. These are all factually incorrect statements. Thank you for that, Governor. Uh, doing a great job. We really appreciate your protection from the onslaught of federal bureaucracy. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. 
Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education, and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a refreshing new social networking platform. I hope you'll check it out and you can download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of a terrific organization. It's the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Keith. So tell us about the Florida yes. Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a 501c3 uh, not, not-for-profit organization that uh, now we're in our, I guess, our eighth year. Um, we focus exclusively on K-12 through education. I sometimes say reform, but then at the end of the day, I always correct myself because you can't reform a government monopoly. You have to break it with competition. So we work very hard to... Uh, to help parents understand what's going on in these government schools, encourage them to look at alternatives like homeschooling. Uh, we've got some really great um, voucher programs. We call them scholarships here. Um, so there are some really good op- uh, alternatives. And students, um, who, you know, who take these other opportunities, you know, just run circles around the the, out- the outcomes in the, in the public schools for the most part. Yeah. So. No question. I just want to uh, underscore how valuable uh, your contribution is to public education here in Florida. And I encourage our listeners to visit your very robust website, goflca.com, goflca.com. Keith, got the legislative session starting on Tuesday, uh, and I'm sure you've got a big agenda coming up. Uh, what, anything you can share with us? Yeah, actually, I'm, uh, I'm headed up there. We'll have a small team up there this time. Uh, we've been up there a number of times so far. I think this will be my fourth trip uh, this cycle. There are, uh, we have a team of, and I think we've mentioned this on your show, we have a team of of uh, four of us uh, headed up by uh, Christina Heuser. You may know Christina. She's a, a civil rights lawyer, uh, a young mom. And uh, the four of us in the last uh, two weeks have evaluated so far, 63 education bills that hmm. have been filed in either the House or Senate. Some of them are companion bills. Uh, some of them are terrible bills, and there are a good number of them that don't have compar- uh, you know, a companion bill yet. So, but they range all the way from, you know, uh, uh, Senator Diaz has opened up the Hope Scholarship and turns it, and is turning it into a true ESA education savings account where. The money will follow the child uh, once once you qualify for that. Fantastic. Um, so that's that's one side of the equation. There are a number of bills that um, you know deal with 
charter schools. Um, there's two really good bills, again, by Diaz, uh, and, and they have support in the, in the House that um, are, are, are open up the charter school competition. Um, it's a technical term called second authorizer, but right now the school districts have a monopoly in terms of uh, approving uh, charter schools. Yep. Uh, and this would, uh, th these two bills would allow um, the Department of Education uh, to authorize charter schools. They'd still oh. be run, run by the local school districts, but they would be chartered uh, at the at the state level. So oh, that would be a major step forward. That's really positive. Yeah. yeah. So there's some of those kinds of things. And then uh, there's a couple of bills that we're going to be strongly opposing. Uh, you'll remember, uh, I think you, you and your listeners might remember that last year, a civics education bill, um, it was called Civics Education Literacy Bill that was passed both houses at the last minute. Yep. It was actually critical race theory, uh, a form of critical race theory called action civics. It snuck through. Uh, we thought it was dead. It snuck through. It got through both chambers in the last few days, and it was approved by 100% of both chambers. Wow. Uh, we got, uh, thank God for a governor, we mounted a major effort, um, and we got the governor to veto that bill. The bad news is the Senator Brandis, who championed that bill last year, is back in play. So that'll be one of the bills that we're going to be uh, very focused on and, and uh, trying to make sure it doesn't uh, see the light of day. Hmm. Well, the good, uh, news, the good news is it sounds like the governor's position to veto it, even if it does see the light of day. So that's, uh, yeah. that's encouraging. Well, I'll, I'll be able to say with certainty that, that, that that's right. I have a meeting with his governor's chief of staff on uh, next Tuesday, and uh, that's one of the key topics is to make sure that doesn't happen again. So um, there's one other really interesting bill by our own uh, um, representative, Bob Rommel. Um, it, the, the bill centers around the concept of should there be cameras and uh, the audio, uh, you know, taping of teachers in the classroom. Um, I'm actually, from a transparency point of view, I'm a huge supporter of that. Mm -hmm. It raises a number of issues. Um, the privacy of the kids, you know, you, 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 and the question there is, will technology allow you to put a camera in a classroom and fuzz out if a kid happens to pop into the picture? Mm -hmm. Um, there's some other things that uh, the bill has that I, I want to talk to Bob about when, when we're up there next week. Uh, so far, it would be um, what I would characterize as a weak bill because it doesn't, uh, it only authorizes the school districts. It doesn't require them. Doesn't require them. Yeah, that's, it's be so interesting, especially to, for the teachers to know and the school board to know that they are on record for what there's, what's being taught in the classroom. I think it's a terrific idea, but I can certainly understand, and I'm sure we haven't even visited about, uh, uh, just uh, skim the surface with regard to the, the liabilities and the problems with the whole process, but it'd be great to come up with a really well a cobbled bill uh, that helps in that process. Keith, just want to, uh, before I let you go, because we've got to run, I just uh, want to underscore you've got a big event coming up on, I think it's February the 9th. No, it's March 9th. March, March 9th. 9th. And I want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, 
GoFLCA, support the Florida Citizens Alliance. Get tickets to attend this terrific event. Uh, just quickly, could you give us a couple of the speakers and who's going to be there? Yeah, we have Dennis Prager. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Kirk. And we just added a third uh, speaker, um, Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee. He's a, uh, he, he does satire and he's yeah. a really funny guy. And make it lighter as well. GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a 44,000 square foot terrific performing arts center in downtown Naples, but bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. What an appealing name for an organization, Less <laughs> Government. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, it's, uh, we, it's, just, it's the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and 
there are less and less of us around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a dying breed, but, but you, the work you're doing is so important. Hey, I've been looking forward to this conversation. You wrote a column, uh, Conservatives Pretending Big Tech Isn't Anti-Conservative Are an Embarrassment. And I agree with that. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, being in the circles I'm in, um, there these off-the-record meetings I... I am part of and one of them was is a one of them is a tech meeting it's center right groups and it's you know tech focused and i brought up you know they, they did some report on section this is all off the record i'm not supposed to talk about this but anyway at some point during the discussion i said well you know big tech getting sued by trial lawyers is left on left violence and we should stop, stand back and get out of the way when that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, big tech isn't left. And I just went, I, <laughs> I, was, I was so, I mean, you know, usually I can respond instantaneously to things. And that was so completely, now, in my defense, I was driving and I was doing the Zoom call yeah. in the car. So, uh, but I mean, I mean, I remember specifically where I was. I was on the way to the chiropractor in Fort Myers, and I'm near, I'm right near the chiropractor. I remember exactly where I was. I was turning onto Fowler Road, which is the chiropractor's road off of off of Winkler Road. I mean, I, I, I but it was just so staggeringly asinine an assertion to make. Right. This is about this is a month or so ago, and I was I just I didn't I couldn't respond. I just was like, what? Yeah, and 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 so as these as these the, the avalanche of evidence keeps piling up of all the conservatives dumped and and you know it's it's an old point to make but you know all these accidental bans and 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 suspensions never happen to leftists right they all the accidental suspensions happen to conservatives. Well, you know, you know where my mind immediately jumps, uh, Seton, when when you're t- uh, make, telling the story is, hmm, I wonder how much money is being given to the campaigns of people on the right by big tech. That might explain. Well, a, yeah, I, I focused on the center-right groups in the uh, article. I got yelled at in the comments for um, not focusing on the on the elected officials, which is a, a valid point, but I'd already written a thousand words. How much, you know, how much further could I go <laughs> in, right. in one article? Um, but uh, the very first link in the very first sentence is to the list of groups on the right who take money. Um, and this goes back to an ad the Heritage Foundation was running about a year ago, bragging. <clears throat> I'm sorry, as we discussed off the air, I've been ill. Um, bragging that they returned a $100,000 check from Google, I believe. Well, they've been, Heritage has been taking money throughout the 2000s. Right. Or the, the 2010s, excuse me, the 2010s. They've been taking big tech money all the time. We could have stopped them, you know, when they weren't so big that they are now irreversibly <laughs> huge and we can't do anything about them. Now they're going to stop taking money from them. And they're running ads bragging. But they took money throughout the 20s. I remember a buddy of mine wrote a book about Google called Search and Destroy. And I remember we were aware of the very first time, and it was like 2011, that 
Google had written a check to Heritage. And they used to, I, they may still have it, I don't know, I moved away from D.C., but they had a blogger briefing every Tuesday at, uh, at lunch. They served Chick-fil-A, and they had a guest, and the guest was Google. They had Google executives there. Mm. And Scott and I showed up. Scott Cleveland's the guy's name, the guy who wrote Search and Destroy. And, and everybody else is kind of, you know, remember, this is 2011. We, we still don't really know what's going on, mm-hmm. most, for the most part. I did. Scott did, um, and we show up, and Scott starts asking a, a question, a, a very you know probing question, and the one of the Google guy goes, "Well, I want to preface this gentleman's question by saying he's written a book about us that's very negative." I said, "Okay, I'll finish the question. I haven't written a book," <laughs> and and I finished the question, and but it was heritage. Teeing, uh, introducing Google to the conservative movement in a, in a favorable, positive light. Yeah. And, you know, the list of groups that get big tech money on our side, allegedly, is huge. Yeah. And then you get these arguments. You know, I, I cited two articles in the piece, one of them saying Section 230 has, has fostered a vibrant you know, I'm, I'm getting the quote wrong off, off the top of my head, but it's a vibrant and open debate on the internet. What are you, freaking stupid? That's, that's you de- destroyed. It's destroyed any kind of debate on the internet. It's all one-sided now. Quote-unquote right. disinformation, people being charged with who are providing the other side and, and correct information and the truth. Right, right. And and, and then the Cato Institute, I, I, I loathe libertarians for the most part. The, the Cato Institute said... It's not a special subsidy or privilege, Section 230. And I'm like, can, okay, if I owned a bar, I would have to have insurance. for the, if, if one moron in the bar punched another person in the bar, which is third-party action, for people who don't know, Section 230 is big tech's not responsible for third-party actions. Yeah. Meaning if I go on YouTube and post an entire movie, the, the the movie house can't sue YouTube for intellectual property theft because they didn't do it. I did. Well, the, one of the points I make about Section Two Thirty is it's completely unnecessary. Right. If 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 I posted a movie on YouTube, the movie house went to YouTube and said, "Hey, this guy did this." YouTube pulls the movie. Would there be any reason to sue? No. No. They they and if they did, ninety nine point nine percent of the judges would go. You get the hell out of my courtroom. This is ridiculous. You talk to them, they pulled the movie, shut up and go away. Yep. There'd be no reason for this protection. And and just to show you how silly and absurd this protection is, um and, and my point is if I owned a bar, I don't I don't have that protection of third party action. If one patron punches another in my bar, I can get sued. Right. Um so yes, of course it's a special Subsidy and and production that no one else has in the history of the planet. But I also point out that if 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 you have section two thirty, um, Nick Nick Sandman, remember him, the high school kid with the MAGA hat, who was slandered all over the planet by big media and big tech, right? Um, as being you know obnoxious and racist against this Indian leftist asshat, and. He's successfully suing 
every major media outlet in the country yeah. for, for slandering him. He can't even file against Big Tech. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and the fact, it's okay. I'm okay with Section 230 as long as the... Uh, I'll, uh, as long as no, the, you don't want section two thirty. Well, uh, let me let, let me complete. You don't want it. Yeah, what I what I don't want is the censoring by these companies. Well, well, now keep in mind, one has nothing to do with the other. Hmm. Section two thirty is section is just <laughs> It's cronyism. You should not want cronyism. No, well, see, you we're don't gonna, want it. We're going to have to leave it there. I tell you, I just want to refer our listeners to your website. LessGovernment.org. LessGovernment.org is the website. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And feel better as well. All right, coming up, Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He actually replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful for it. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you, too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. Terrific product for the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to Individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, I'm going to be visiting with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us my orthopedic surgeon who replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I'm so grateful for it, Dr. George Markovich. 
Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Doctor. You know, I've been looking forward to this conversation. You know, uh, Omicron has overtaken, well, we've got another pandemic of fear going on, frankly. It's kind of sad to see. But it's certainly got to be splashing on your practice. And I just wanted to check in with you and see what your thoughts might be. So, Bob, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'm just going to wax philosophic a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, it seems that the principles of virology and immunology have been thrown out the window mm. uh, because if people have, have read anything, and I recommend an excellent book by David Oshinsky about the polio epidemic in the 50s, because the Spanish flu really doesn't you know, translate in modern times very well. Uh, but there's a lot of obfuscation, misdirection, uh, ignorance uh, around and abound. Um, it's like ripples on a pond. Every virus will uh, mutate and become something else, which is usually more transmissible and less virulent until there's herd immunity and it fades away and uh, something else comes along. So our immune system has to be exposed to things in order to uh, mount a response. And when something is novel, uh, perhaps uh, very novel because it was, uh, you know, messed with in a lab somewhere, um, and our immune systems aren't used to it, then there is an initial danger until therapeutics come along, until uh, people develop natural immunity, and until there are vaccines. I mean, that's just the way things happen mm -hmm. uh, if there's no confusion. Now, I will tell you that when you had your knees replaced, it was a very different world. And now we live in a world where we get custom implants, uh, use robotics, use, uh, you know, some uh, things that are tools that help us do a better, uh, you know, job. Um, and, you know, we did a pretty good job way back when, and we're constantly refining and improving. So I have uh, a couple of patients that have been looking forward to their knee replacements with custom devices. They're manufactured in Massachusetts. And uh, there's a problem in, in getting them on time because people in Massachusetts don't want to go back to work. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the contamination people and, you know, I was on the phone with the CEO and <clears throat> it's really hard with the supply chain the way it is mm. in order to get these implants available for the people that depend on them. And it's frustrating yeah, uh, because they're sitting in a line trying to get tested for something coughing and hacking on each other if they're sick or completely asymptomatic if they're not. And what are we really doing here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, uh, I, I have real sympathy and feeling for the people that are waiting for their knees to come in because <laughs> they're probably existing in pain. They can't sleep at night. It's just uh, really incredible. Um, the work so do that, I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the work that you do is just so, so critical and so helpful, and I'm so grateful for what you did for me. So, I mean... But uh, do you think this thing's overblown? Do you think it's, to your point, uh, most of these things actually become less virulent and uh, more contagious as time goes on? Do you think that's what's happening now? Well, when half the people that get it don't even know that they have it, um, you know, I'd say that there mm -hmm. is a, a you know, chance that it's overblown. However, there's people that are susceptible. If you're older, if you have comorbidities, uh, if you're overweight, this is an opportunity to get healthier and to practice basic public health things that we know that have worked for years and years and years. Wash your hands, 
don't, you know, spread things around, keep distance. I'm not sure masks do anything, but if you want to wear a mask indoors, that's fine, you know. Yeah. Get immunized if you're at risk, uh, you know, get tested if you think that you've been exposed to it or if you uh, feel that there's a need to quarantine for however many days, uh, you know, seems logical. The logic and the rational thought and the fact that people are getting up and talking about things they know nothing about. I have dealt with infectious disease for decades. Every day of my life is basically dealing with potential pathogens, uh, whether it's bacteria or viruses. These things exist in our midst and have to be dealt with. You know, AIDS was dealt with a little bit differently than most other viruses. This is another example of a viral uh, pathogen that has been dealt with very differently than many other things for whatever reason. Um, I'm seeing a little bit of the pendulum swing the other way, uh, but it's not fast enough because you have people from the top down, including the president, that really doesn't know what he's talking about uh, with a bird chirping in his ear named Anthony Fauci that may know what he's talking about, but is saying things that are nonsensical. Indeed. In fact, uh, it's just really refreshing to hear you talk about things, you know, keeping ourselves healthy. And uh, unfortunately, the uh, CDC hasn't mentioned anything about making sure you get some sunshine every day, uh, eat healthy, yeah, eat uh, green leafy vegetables. Uh, and some of the things that can actually help you prevent uh, getting disease in the first place. And I, it's referred to, I guess, as miasma, something that's been around for. But everything right now is focused on getting the jab. You know, the therapeutic or the therapeutics are not important. What's important is getting a vaccine, which, quite frankly, I think is demonstrating it just doesn't work with the the uh, the Omicron variant. It works in terms of keeping the disease <clears throat> perhaps a little bit less severe than it would otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think natural immunity provides you know an aliquot of eighty two thousand uh, whatever the Israeli study was. Uh, or the UK study, one of the two, it was it was orders of magnitude above what a vaccine, uh, you know, uh, amount of an immune response is uh, on the order of 82,000 versus 36 or 40. You know, I, I'm not getting the numbers right, but it, it's just an amazing thing that <clears throat> therapeutic, uh, the things that you mentioned in terms of sensical approaches, vitamin D, vitamin B, uh, zinc, uh, getting out in the sun, exercising, you know, all the things that your grandmother told you to do. That doesn't matter. It's just a government entity telling people, you must do this. That's a very dangerous path forward. Unconstitutional. I, I might uh, suggest, I mean, our uh, founders, they understood during the Revolutionary War, there were breaks, outbreaks of uh, malaria, there were outbreaks of uh, disease. Viruses at the time, uh, but there's nothing in the Constitution. Look, everybody, uh, the, the government works for everybody. Uh, everybody doesn't work for the government unless there's some sort of an emergency. It doesn't say that. It, you know, it, they knew what they were doing. So we had very intelligent people in our midst back then. Benjamin Franklin lived into his 80s, I believe, yeah. when the uh, uh, average lifespan was about half that. Um, he understood exercise. He invented the Stairmaster because he used to grab books and go up and down the stairs. Uh, and, you know, before he had gout and things like that that made him somewhat infirm 
later in his life, he was a healthy, vibrant guy. Wow. And I think you mentioned that uh, he may have been uh, quoted as saying, <clears throat> if you treat, if you trade freedom for security, you will have neither. Yep, absolutely. Dr. George Markovich, again, my orthopedic surgeon, I refer to him as the best orthopedic surgeon in the universe, maybe the galaxy. <laughs> so again, I'm so grateful for the treatment that you gave me. And I uh, just encourage you, if you have aches or pains, joints uh, that are creating problems for you, don't live with pain. Uh, get, it, get it fixed. I'm so grateful I did. You can call 482-5399, 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank joining us. Thank you very us. much. Happy New Year. And, you know, we cut through the confusion, right? Absolutely. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. Get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank uh, you, beautiful, Bill. Beautiful sunny day here uh, in in Naples. I'm glad I'm not 
anywhere near I-95 or uh, Buffalo or Tennessee or wherever all that snow is going to be flying today. My goodness, I mean, the places, it's getting slammed up north. <laughs> can you yeah. can you imagine being uh, on a highway, freezing temperatures no. for 20 hours and not being able to move because of high, uh, trucks that have, uh, car, have been hijacked? Or not hijacked, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I've been blown away uh, by the storm or, or, or you know, just uh, uh, crippled, period. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, there had to be so many stories that would come out of that. And we don't we don't think about this and we don't talk about that. But good gosh, Bob, how do you go to the bathroom and what do you do? I mean, it's just, you know, you can imagine, but I just can't um, can't fathom that. And I feel so bad for those, especially with kids and pets and oh, oh my gosh, no ab- food. Anyway. Absolutely. Hey, so the uh, I think the period for filing to, to run for city council is up. The election is coming up, I believe, on the 1st of February, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So uh, how's the field looking? What are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. This is this is going to be a this is, as always, a um, a contentious one, so to speak, because the candidates have put out so much information. And I, I want to say some of it is misinformation. But interestingly enough, today happens to be the day that our Naples Better Government um, organization will be interviewing the uh, we're supposed to be interviewing the five candidates. And um, as you know, Naples Better Government has been around for 30 years. We are the only the only political um, uh, body that uh, is nonpartisan, period. Um, and um, so we're supposed to be interviewing. And uh, of course, two of them decide that they don't want to be interviewed. It was almost the same last time hmm. when we do an uh, interview uh, Teresa Heitman and Mike McCabe, they, they refused uh, uh, more good government, of course. And um, today, I mean, they had plenty of notice. Uh, we sent actually to uh, Beth Portinoff, we uh, sent her four emails. You know, we want to schedule an interview time uh, uh, for you so you can tell us your views and your viewpoints. Uh, and um, uh, she didn't respond. And finally, uh, he responded and said, oh, well, I, I think this day doesn't work for me or or whatever it was. And then of all the people to turn us down, uh, Mr. Terry Hutchison, the vice mayor, no reasons, uh, just didn't bother to respond or didn't give any reason why. But he probably feels he's so much better than all the rest of them that he doesn't really need to come and be on, you know, and be that's disappointing. But, uh, you know, you just kind of wonder, Bob, what is the matter with showing up and giving your opinion to a group that's nonpartisan? And then, of course, there are there are a lot of um, uh, partisan politics that seem to be going on with this election that I've never seen before, hmm. really. So uh, let, me, let me ask you a point of question, uh, Bill. Uh, the, uh, these elections, if I'm not mistaken, are nonpartisan, meaning non, non-party affiliated. Correct. Uh, is that, uh, is that wise? I mean, it seems to me people should be able to not only declare where they stand on issues, but let, let us know where they stand with regard to large government, small government. And sometimes that has a lot to do with party affiliation or vice well, versa. And I think in a lot of cases that's true, Bob, but in our charter, it said that these city elections are meant to be nonpartisan. It uh-huh. doesn't get any, any clearer than that. And, um, I don't I'm not saying I disagree with you, you know, in the long run. Yeah. And and nobody can say 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can say your party affiliation, you know, this is just about your viewpoints and and your city issues and how you feel. And, you know, you get asked questions and how, how are you going to deal with an issue and, uh, you know, the stormwater or whatever it is, you know, it doesn't really play into the fact whether you're Democrat or Republican or, or, or whatever. It has to do with how will Bob Harden, uh, how do you want to fix this, uh, assuming there's a problem, how do you want to fix it? Well, let me, you know, let me just take it a step back. I mean, you get a group of, let's say, Democrats who get together and say, you know, let's see if we can't uh, take over what's happening in city government now, take over the city council. So why don't we put together a plan to run candidates and uh, we'll withhold the fact that we're doing this as Democrats. We're just doing this as independents. We just want to have the best people in office. But what we really want is, and then a list of things that uh, perhaps would not be favorable to conservatives. Right. Well, I, I would say that's a stretch. Uh, I, I'm not saying couldn't happen, but gosh, Bob, I've been doing this for over, you know, 40 years and uh, never, never, ever seen anything like that happen. We're, you know, we are in Naples, Florida, and yeah. people care about, you know, they care about the things that are important to them. I never hear, uh, I just don't hear that kind of politics here. Now, it's, it's, it's definitely live and, and well, believe me. Yeah. Um, but I think just for this, for, for sitting on city council, I mean, I've sat on the councils before, Bob, where candidly, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know, I really didn't care yeah. what, the, what the candidate, you know, was, okay, as long as he or she, you know, was willing to get in there and, and work on an issue that we had, we could work together on it and, and, uh, and resolve it, and it never really came into play. Well, I, I, I appreciate I, that, those thoughts uh, and uh, that clarification because it's, <laughs> to me, it's, it's, I just wondered about people who are being uh, uh, subterranean about their points of view. So uh, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so far we've been lucky, and I'll fill you in on, on what happens with this today. Well, should, be sure. So, what happened? Uh, how can our listeners uh, participate? Well, it will come out. These, are, these, are, these interviews are, are, um, are not open to the public because it is a you know we are a um um a a group that has always done it this way and we ask them questions and then it'll come out ah. of uh why uh, of the questions and what was asked and why we endorsed a certain uh certain individual or individuals because of um so it will come out. It's not hidden. That's for sure. Right, okay. So you're actually not only uh, interviewing, providing information on where they stand, but also making recommendations based on your Correct. interviews. Correct. So interesting. Yes. And we'll, we'll look forward to getting the response. Look forward to visit with you about this all next week. Again, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. You as well. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly learned a lot. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's show as well. We're going to visit with William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Estra Lully is the executive director at the Golden Gate Senior Center. We'll visit with Esther. We'll visit with Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Naomi Perez is the executive director of the Immokalee Foundation. Got some great programs going there that are very interesting for young people. 
Always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>